Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Remember, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast available on your favorite podcast app when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael Lance and part three of his message in Revelation 17, The Judgment of the Great Harlot. The woman, verse 6, was drunk with what? The blood of the saints. And with the blood of the witnesses, saints is hagios. It's the typical word used for Christians in the New Testament. And witnesses is martus, where we get the word martyr. The saints and the martyrs of Jesus, is it two different people groups? I don't know. It could be Old Testament saints and New Testament witnesses. It could be saying the same thing about the group, but they are saints and martyrs or witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. She's drunk with what? The blood of the church. She's an anti-God system. She's responsible for the martyrdom and persecution of God's people throughout time. She's intoxicated with their blood. It seems she can't get enough. And John is astonished. She's in wonder at the woman. And the angel says to him, why do you wonder, verse 7, I shall tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads. Remember, we've talked about kingdoms and the ten horns. We've talked about kings. The beast that you saw was, if you like to mark your Bible, here's where you need to mark it. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction. Thanks for the help, Mr. Angel. (laughs) Just when I thought I was gonna get a clear interpretation about who this is, you tell me that the beast was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction? Who's that? Well, it seems to connect with the son of perdition idea. You can write down 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, the son of destruction. Those who dwell on the earth will wonder whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. That's same language as Revelation 13, 8. And when they see the beast, that he was and is not and will come. Now, he links to the Antichrist, this beast. And part of the wonder that we looked at in a previous study is it may be that In some way, he has some sort of fake resurrection or he impresses people with false signs and wonders or wonders at least that can be done by his sidekick or by him as well. And the world wonders after the beast who, that he was and he is not and he will come. What does this mean, that he was and he is not and he will come? Well, here's the mind that has wisdom. Here's the interpretation, verse nine, if you will. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and they are seven kings or kingdoms or empires. Five have fallen. One is, or you could say one is now. The other has not yet come. When he comes, he must remain a little while. Now, if you're scratching your head and saying, Pastor Michael, I'm confused, 
join the club. Because commentators throughout the decades have not really come to a consensus on what this means. In fact, there are many who throw up their hands and say they don't know what it means. There are two major views that I know of that um, seem to find some footing in different views that come forth from some different positions. Now, some believe that these are uh, reference, and I'm trying to pull up the names here right now, but to five previous emperors that preceded the emperor Nero. Nero was the crazy emperor that lived at the time of Paul and Peter. He uh, committed suicide in 68 AD. Uh, We know he killed Paul, the apostle. And tradition says that he's probably responsible for the death of Peter as well. Then he went on some weird rampage and, and committed suicide. Prior to him, there were four recognizable emperors. I don't have all the names in front of me, but they include Claudius, Caligula, uh, and others. And so um, then there was an emperor after him, and then you have the fall of Jerusalem. So those who are in the preterist camp that think this all connects to the fall of Jerusalem say that there were five, and then there was Nero, and then there was one more. Oh, here's their names if you're interested. The five before Emperor Nero were Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, and then Nero. One more time, Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, Nero being the sixth, and then a man named Galba who reigned for about six or seven months, I I think right before the fall of Jerusalem, so in the late 60s AD. Okay, that's one take. Uh, The... This view says the woman is Rome and all of this happened in the first century. Here's another take. And for the sake of time, I can't take you there. But here's what I would encourage you to do. If you cross compare Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 with Revelation 17, you will find, and I'll just give you a quick synopsis of this, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream in Daniel 2. And he sees this colossal image the head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly of bronze, legs of iron, and then feet mixed with iron and clay. And he's kind of freaked out about the dream because this rock made without hands hits the statue and it implodes and uh, it's whisked away in a moment of time. So Nebuchadnezzar puts a little bit of a trick on uh, for his magi. He says, I want you to interpret my dream. There's just one little catch. I'm not going to tell you what the dream was either. And the wise men were like, come on, man, I'm still in my pajamas. No wise man has ever been asked to do something so difficult, king. So Nebi, K. Netzer, it says that on his business card if you're a VeggieTale fan, (laughs) said, okay, all the wise men in my kingdom die. Where's my oatmeal? And Daniel was one of the young people who had been taken to Babylon, and he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. King, give me, give me a little bit of time. I'll ask the Lord for the interpretation. Well, Daniel got the interpretation and he told the king what his dream meant. And he went through these kingdoms and he says, you're the head of gold, you're Babylon. And then the chest and arms of silver are the Medo-Persian Empire. Babylon fell to the Medo-Persian Empire. 
The belly of bronze is the next kingdom who was what? Greece. And then the legs of iron, tough kingdom was Rome. The feet of iron mixed with clay. Some people say is a revived Roman Empire, the ten toes, maybe ten kingdoms or related to what we're seeing with the ten in our language. The ten horns. Isn't it horns or kingdoms or whatever? Anyway. So, do you see the connection? In Daniel 7, it's with animals now, with a lion and, and so forth, and it represents Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome. And so, take another look now, and here's the other view, and this is where I would lean. Five have fallen. The five kingdoms, if you connect Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, that would have fallen at this time would have been Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece, five. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. By the way, this is on solid ground from the book of Daniel. Every one of those kingdoms, Egypt, Assyria, Medo-Persia, Greece, and, uh, did I leave out one? Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. Except for Greece, although what happened from Greece is what's called the Seleucid dynasty. They had one thing in common. They all persecuted Israel. Every one of them. The one thing they had in common was a common enemy. The God of Israel and his people. Think about it. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and then Greece giving birth to the Seleucid dynasty. The one that is now, middle of verse 10, who is ruling at the time that John writes Revelation? Rome. Rome dominated the world from 63 B.C. and finally fell in 476 A.D. They dominated the world for about 500 years. Do you know what happened to the Roman Empire? They actually disintegrated from within because of immorality and infighting and power struggles. And then finally, they were sacked and taken. The one that is now is, I think, Rome. The other, which is a seventh kingdom, has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. Now this, and I'm gonna have to move quickly because we're almost out of time. This is where most people say, in the end times, there's going to be some sort of revived Roman Empire perhaps connecting to the feet of uh, iron mixed with clay and the ten toes, and maybe there'll be ten kingdoms, and that's what this language seems to indicate. Maybe some sort of uh, uh, conglomeration of nations that come together under the leadership of the Antichrist. That's where this kind of stuff comes from. But there's been another interesting suggestion. I just throw it out for you for consideration. There was a kingdom... In our recent past, less than 100 years ago, that did arise and have characteristics of these other kingdoms. And it was a kingdom called Nazi Germany. And it was led by a man named Adolf Hitler, who became the chancellor, I think, in 1933. And he was a maniac. He was so obsessed with killing Jewish people, and he killed other people, including Christians and others, 
that even when his troops had no food and basically he was losing the war, he was still trying to get Jews onto the death trains. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And it was a kingdom called Nazi Germany. And it was led by a man named Adolf Hitler, who became the chancellor, I think, in 1933. And he was a maniac. He was so obsessed with killing Jewish people, and he killed other people, including Christians and others, that even when his troops had no food and basically he was losing the war, he was still trying to get Jews onto the death trains. They said when he spoke, he had almost demonic power. And then evidence has come that he's been, he was dabbling with the occult and had also embraced, embraced evolutionary theory. I don't know for sure if Nazi Germany is the reference here, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was the empire that arose and there's going to be some sort of empire that looks like this in the future. Folks, that happened in the last 100 years. We say, we sometimes we read the book of Revelation, we go, oh, nah, it could never happen. A one world, somebody trying to take over the world and killing a bunch of Jews and Christians. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. The beast, which was and is not, <laughs> just so you can be a little bit more perplexed, is himself also an eighth. <laughs> and is one of the seven. He's just like the others. In other words, Maybe this means he's a composite of, of all these kingdoms, the one thing that they had in common, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, the Seleucid dynasty, Rome, Nazi Germany, if we could include that one, was this, a hatred for God's people, especially the Jewish people. And we now, of course, we include Christians with all the stuff that goes on with persecution now. And he's gonna go to perdition. He's gonna go to destruction And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom. Their dominion is still future, but they will receive, they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. That means a short duration. So when this happens, it looks like there's going to be ten world leaders who give their all authority to one single individual for a short time. 
And these have one purpose. They give their power and their authority to the beast. They say this 10 nation, perhaps a 10 nation confederation or 10 leaders say, we want you to lead us. These will wage war against the lamb and praise God the lamb will overcome them. This could be a reference to the battle of Armageddon which we read about at the end of Revelation 16. Because he, the lamb, is Lord of lords and what? He's king of kings. And those who are with him are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Who's that? That's us. <laughs> and he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. It seems like a worldwide rebellion or conglomeration. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the harlot. All of a sudden, the system which, you know, was kind of carrying them, if you will, that was connected with the beast, or the beast was carrying it, will make her desolate, the harlot, and naked, will eat her flesh, and will burn her up with fire. Leon Morris says, evil is always self-destructive. Wicked men are not just a happy band of brothers. Being wicked, they act in jealousy and hatred. They will turn on the things they use for their pleasure. When they are done with it, they will throw it away. Have you noticed that that's kind of how evil works? Once they're done with you, they'll throw you away. I think people in corporate America can resonate with that. And God has put into their hearts to execute his purpose. God is ultimately sovereign. By having a common purpose, by giving their kingdom to the beast, their common purpose is to try to destroy God and his people until the words of God should be fulfilled. God is always in control. They're already evil, and now he confirms them in their evil. And the woman whom you saw is the great city. Who is that great city? Is it a metaphor for a system? Some people think it's Rome. Some people think it's Jerusalem. It's uh, seven mountains. Poets used to talk about Rome being on seven hills. Could be a reference to Jerusalem. But the woman that you saw is the great city which reigns over the king's of the earth, and I'll just leave you with this question. Who reigns over you? Hopefully, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And even though I know we've had some tough sledding in the book of Revelation and some hard things, there's always, there always has been since the fall, and until times are summed up, always will be a struggle between good and evil. Always. It continues into our day. And until Jesus comes and judges the world in righteousness, it will continue. But good will triumph. And the King of kings and Lord of lords will vanquish his foes in the end and set up his kingdom. And we will rule and reign with him forever. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. It's sometimes very hard and deep and heavy, but it's good because it tells us the truth about what you say is gonna happen in history. And thank you that you already know how the story ends. You've written history in advance. That's what prophecy is. It's not a guess. It's just simply history written in advance to prove who you are. And my friend 
Can I say to you tonight, if you've come in here and you're not sure that you know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, this King came into the world to die for you. He loves you that much. He wants you to be delivered from evil. If you've drank from a cup that's given you a bitter stomach and a bitter life and you're looking to find cleansing and hope and fullness and life, he's got a gift for you. He's gonna ask you to drink from a different cup. It's the cup of salvation. He shed his blood that you might live. He died on the cross for your sins as though he had committed your sins, though he was innocent. He rose from the dead to defeat death, which scares us all. And he's living right now, and he's still able to save. And I would encourage you right now, he knows who you are. He knows that you've come in here tonight looking for him, and he's here. Something like this, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Pray it if it's you. I believe that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, for my sins. I repent of them. I believe in your resurrection. And I want to trust you. I want to follow you. Make me your child. Place me into your kingdom. Lord, for those who are crying out, may you save them. May you seal them. May you bless them. May you lift their burdens. May you help the saint that's come in here tonight with a heavy heart. Lift their burden, Lord. Remind us that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And teach us your ways, Lord, as we depend more and more on you. This is not about us being stronger in and of ourselves. This is about us finding strength in you and you making us what you've called us to be. So would you pour out a fresh blessing on the saints tonight? Give them hope, give them courage, give them strength. Bless them beyond what they could ask or imagine. The things that are struggles on hearts tonight, prayers that are being offered, Lord, to you. May you just minister discernment and hope, strength, love, assurance. Thank you that you're so good that you care about the little details of my life. You know what I go through, what I battle. But the battle belongs to the Lord. Thank you that you've placed us into the kingdom of light on the winning team. We rejoice and we thank you. And we pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, our Savior and our King. And all God's people said, Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part three of his message in Revelation 17, The Judgment of the Great Harlot. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But everyone here at Walk in Truth truly appreciates the financial contributions that listeners have been giving to this ministry in the past couple weeks. As many of you heard last week, to be 100% financially supported for a budget year, we need $168,400. And we're asking for your help to get to our first goal of $30,000. So far, we've received six donations that total $378.60. Praise God and thank you so much if you're someone who has contributed to this mission. There's a lot that goes into the production of this program. Paying for airtime is a large portion, but then there's studio time, editing, our website, and of course the small staff we have. Walk in Truth has a pretty big budget, and we would love to make our way to be financially supported by our listeners. Please consider Walk in Truth. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate online. 
That's walkintruth.com. Or if you'd like to mail in your donation, please make your check or money order out to Walk in Truth. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, whether you've been with us on the journey in the book of Revelation from the very beginning or just jumped on board recently, I want to welcome you aboard. And it's good when you're, whenever you're coming to the end of a book to begin to think about the purpose of studying the book of Revelation. Remember, Revelation is a revealing. It's a revealing of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it is a revealing about the future of this world. And the benefit of the book, studying the book, was really introduced way back in chapter chapter one, when there's a blessing attached to it for hearing, reading, and heeding the book. And so I pray that you've been blessed, and I pray that you'll even go back and listen to previous messages and catch up if you need to, or listen for a second or third time, because there's been a lot of information here, a lot to digest, and a lot to consider. But remember, the value of studying Revelation is there's a blessing that goes with it, and it draws you closer to the Lord and reminds you that this world and its system as it stands today will not last forever. There will be new heaven and a new earth. And you want to be part of that kingdom, my friend, my brother, my sister. So glad you've been studying Revelation with us. Those are some things to consider as we are coming to the end of the book, and I pray that you've been blessed. Be sure to come back tomorrow to hear part one of Pastor Michael's message in Revelation chapter 18 about the judgment of Babylon. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.